Hey everybody and welcome to another episode of the Science of Pokemon. We have uh, Chris and Don here today and uh, we've got a pretty pretty interesting topic to talk about. Don, it's very important that we record this episode without Lucas present. Do you know why? I do not. It's because we're going to talk about some cats and Lucas hates cats. I'm just really allergic but I'll talk about cats. <laughs> We're talking about cats, and, and particularly a culture that also had lots of cats. Cats are important to some to some early civilizations. But or the, the group of people we're touching on today are Norse, and particularly Norse mythology. So we're going to talk a little bit about cats, because I wanted to talk about Gower, Meowth, and Berserker, and all of their glory. But in reality, we're actually going to be talking a lot about uh, Norse mythology and some of the legendary Pokemon that have been, or that we think have been inspired by them. Norse mythology has actually been popping up in pop culture quite a bit. It has been more recently, I think so. I hope you guys like hard to say words, at least they are for me, but we got a bunch of them. We got, we've got a lot of them. So why don't we just get into messing up how we, let's just get into the topic, Don. Yeah, let's uh, get on in there. Well, I guess we go to news first. I know yes. how our show works. News. We have that. <laughs> All right. Do you have do you have a science news? Well, there's a red tide right now here, which is bad. So basically, um, red tide it's a uh, it's a type of algal bloom. Um, I believe it's actually dinoflagellate algae, um, and it produces a neurotoxin. I think it is that um can really like do a lot of respiratory damage to fish and their gills and deplete the oxygen levels in the water, and also it can affect um the respiratory effects of it. Like I mean, I've been out. Don't don't go spearfishing or diving in red tide, everyone. Don't do it. Um, we thought we were far enough away from where it was at. We were wrong. Um, and you like you really feel it in your lungs, like you have sort of a burn and a nasty cough, and it can kill like dolphins and manatees and stuff as well if it's very bad. Um, and it's typically caused by like a nutrient overload, so either just naturally occurring through certain times of the year. Um, fertilizer use and stuff can definitely exacerbate it, though. How how often does it occur, like, in a given year? Um, It's pretty sick. I mean, like, typically, so you want a lot of sun. Um, So the wa- you want warm water because that's just how, like, what, it's what plants like. And ideally, like, consistently sunny days um, and heat really drive it up. So this time of year, um, when you, like, we, we had a, at least where I'm in Florida, we had a pretty long stretch with minimal rain, which, like, without rain and good wind to really mm-hmm. sort of break up really like break up the algae growth um it can cause like large sections of the bay or ocean to it has a slight reddish cast when the bloom's really strong mm-hmm. and um you'll start seeing specifically certain species of fish that don't really like like to move so species of fish that are like non-pelagic as in like they have a certain area like benthic fish like a grouper we'll say um they'll hang out in their spot as like and then the water level suddenly or the uh, the oxygen level suddenly gets too low and they die um, so the other day I went out fishing, we saw a whole bunch of dead uh, pinfish, which like to live on grass flats, which are really shallow and can be prone to oxygen deprivation. Um, so it's typically more of a, uh, a near shore thing because like shallow water gets really warm, algae goes out of control and you get a red tide bloom. Yeah. And does, can, can it like, how bad can it like hurt you? Like if you go spearfishing? Um, you can, I think, I mean, if you have asthma, it can cause you a lot of real problems. I mean, and not even that, just being like, I've been at some beaches before that one, you just have this, uh, you can have insane amounts of just dead, you know, 
carcasses of fish and even like sea turtles and manatees and stuff. Mm. Um, but mainly fish are the main casualties. You can have tons of dead fish. So that's just also general, just rotting stuff, which is bad. Yeah. Um, but then you also have the addition of, uh, I know people with like asthma or respiratory issues can be really affected by it. Um, a friend of mine actually ate some stone crab. It was a week or two after a red tide. Um, all shellfish, specifically the filter feeding ones like um, oysters and clams, um, can I believe they handle the red tide decently well. But because they're filter feeders, they then accumulate the toxins and stuff in their system. Oh, and so then... if you if one like I know like recently they just suspended all harvest of like farm shellfish around the red tide areas. Yeah, a friend of mine ate some stone crab that he had caught like a week or two after, but stone crabs then eat oysters. So um he got he got real sick a couple years ago. I remember he was uh he was like pretty bad like pretty bad sort of food poisoning style ailment. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not something you want to mess around with, and it's definitely something um it's it's definitely something we can kind of control to a certain point. Fertilizer runoff can be a big cause of it because it's just things that cause algae to bloom. Yeah. So fertilizers runoff, you know, warm water, it's always a concern too. When we look at a greater amount of um you know pollutants or like climate change, all sort of stuff can feed into worse and worse red tides. I think it can be a manageable thing just in terms of certain times of the year we have like fertilizer restrictions kind of pr- help reduce like. The warmer time, warmer months, getting runoff into the the ocean, which can is kind of like one of the main causes outside of the naturally occurring blooms, because it is a naturally occurring phenomenon. Yeah, as well. It can just be. Sorry for that. I kind of got rambling things. on it. I apologize. No, no, you're good. You're good. But so, uh, so the one that's happening right now, like how how big is it? Like how far? Oh, it's it's um. This is pretty minor so far. Okay. Um, and I think we just had the last two days. We had a ton of rain. Mm-hmm. How big can they get? Um, they can get really – we had one a couple years ago that was bad enough to the point where from a pretty good stretch. So just north of me, um, just like around Tampa area to like southwest Florida, um, they had closed the harvest of several species of fish for the last two years actually. They just reopened them because they had been hit so uh, so hard from the red tide. Yeah, it can be it can be like very large stretches. Yeah, so the one too and the one that was really bad also like was – it wasn't like a consistent sheet. But it was basically like somewhere, somewhere for like 17 months. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. It was like basically the entire southwest coast of Florida. Um, it was a mat. It was an insane fish kill. I, rem- I remember like literally at the beach and stuff, there were, there were dumpsters just full mm-hmm. of dead fish. So this one we have right now is not nearly that bad, mm-hmm. but it's definitely something to pay attention to. I feel bad for people that come to Florida or anywhere that has a red tide on vacation. Yeah. It's kind of put a, put a damper on that. Yeah. I saw one beach had a pretty nice pile stacked up which is never what you want to see but i i think with this recent rain we should um we should be in the clear on it at least i, I hope so knock on wood and all that and then you can get out there and do some more spear hunting yeah exactly and just like i mean fishing it really everything water-based you it's i mean you you people just like to go out and cruise on their boat it's not really an advisable activity when they said you you feel it in your lungs and in your eyes when you're near yeah. it if it's a bad bloom that doesn't sound fun I don't think I've, I've never seen one in person though. So I, I am not, I've never seen it. Like I know like the, like, I've seen a couple times where the waters had like the faintest of red tinge. I've never seen like a really, really gnarly one. Luckily. I mean, also like the water here is typically a little, uh, just naturally murkier. Also, it could be like, if you don't know what's going on, I'm imagining that would be very spooky. Yeah. Well, just the sheer amount of death is probably the worst part. Even like, and then the other day where we were at, um, we went out, I went fishing with a coworker and luckily where we were, it was unaffected by the red tide, but the wind had shifted 
an area that previously had a bunch of dead fish. Oh, they had now just all ended up where there was just a line of just like dozens of just dead or really like hundreds of uh, small dead fish. Just in like you can see where the current had shifted. Um, it was like maybe a mile long strand of just dead fish. On on that morbid note, Don, let's shift into our, our video game news. You actually, I usually lead the, the the Pokemon news, but you you wanted to share something. Well, this is uh, one we have. I mean, this episode will already be over. Hopefully, I'll have good news on the next episode. But we do have Players Cup Four um, elimination round starting this coming weekend, so that's exciting. I am in there. I do not have a team yet. I've got a few ideas. You so got to figure figure that out. Yeah. Lucas would say big number, but. I trust you more than Lucas. Uh, uh, there'll be a there'll be a big number or two around. <laughs> I, I'm confident there's going to be some big numbers on the team. Yeah. Also, I'm excited. Um, we finally we got a trailer confirmation date. All sorts of new info. Finally, after ye- literal years, Elden Ring, get hyped! It's coming in 2022 now, which sounds like a future year, but it's like six months away. Yeah. You're I'm so, so ex- you're I'm so, so excited, so hyped of of Elden Ring that you're talking about it in a podcast not related to Elden Ring at all. I know, and I, it, the, the I, trailer, just, I have the, to tell everyone it's a big it's a, it's, a, it's a big deal. The game, and you're a big Dark Souls guy. I'm a huge Dark Souls guy. So I mean, I also love. I think Bloodborne as well is one of like the best games ever made. I think it might be like this. It just fits together so well. I'm just really excited for Elden Ring as well. Yeah. Um, we got. The Dark Souls crew we got from Soft. We got George R. R. Martin doing the story. Yeah. Which I'm I I my now if like maybe Elden Ring can come out and we can maybe get Winds of Winter in the next year. Now that maybe Martin is gonna take a break from doing everything other than writing his books. <laughs> He'll get to him eventually. Will he? I mean at some point maybe. I don't know. Uh, you've seen the trailer, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, isn't it Martin and uh, Miyazaki? Yes. So that's the head of the FromSoft guy that did Dark Souls and all that is Miyazaki. And then what a um, team. we have what? what a team, what a combo. Yeah. Well, it's a bit. It's a big. It's a big game coming out, and I'm excited for it. But in the in, in the Pokemon news, we have a couple Pokemon updates too, Don. Hit it. Uh, so for one, I, I, I think it's a little bit, uh, it's a couple weeks past at this point, but there was an update in Pokemon home and from, uh, the, in addition to the update, uh, they were giving out, uh, I think you get them as mystery gifts, um, but you get a G-Max capable Squirtle and Bulbasaur. Yes. I don't have a G-Max Squirtle, I think actually, I'll have to scoop that up. You just have to like. I think you just log in and get the. I don't. I don't see any like dates on it for like when it's going away. Yeah. But that is uh that is out there. Uh, and then the the other thing that's that's coming up pretty soon, but we've gotten some more details about it is uh Pokemon Go Fest. Yes, I've I've been seeing little pop ups on my app, but I haven't done anything or looked into it much. Yes. So I did Go Fest last year. They they. These were the kinds of things that used to be like in select cities, but obviously with pandemic, that wasn't. I think as... I did go for. Is it like you it, you pay a certain amount for like a ticket and you yeah. do stuff wherever? Yeah, I did that. Actually. Yeah, you pay like it's like five bucks, and it's on Saturday and Sunday. This year it's the seventeenth and eighteenth of July, so a couple weeks out. Um, but it was a lot of fun last year. Uh, I I got out to a park to to walk around and 
just being out and about. It was a great way to spend a couple of days out and uh, out moving. Uh, they confirmed that uh, Meloetta is going to be involved with the event, that you can get Meloetta. That's cool. In case you did not have enough clothing versions of Pikachu, we have two, Don. That's always been a concern of mine is not having enough. Not having enough. Well, we have Rockstar Pikachu and Popstar Pikachu. I believe you can only get one, though. What are you going to get? I, I'm probably going to pick Rock. So remember last year you picked Red or Green? Yes. I think this year it's you pick Pop or Rock. Okay. Uh, I'm probably I'm probably going to pick Rock. Uh, but the one you pick apparently affects the music that plays during yes. during the event so i thought that was that was good i think that's kind of cool but i imagine you know a full day of listening to the same song uh is gonna get pretty old yeah i think so that might be going on mute sooner rather than later but the um there is going to be rotating habitats so there was rotating i forget what the themes were last year but there was rotating hourly and so this year the the rotating themes are jungle desert uh ocean and cave uh and obviously the pokemon uh, that spawn during the time will also shift, but I don't think we've seen any details about who is coming uh, in each specific one. Right. And then on Sunday, uh, one of the bigger bigger bits is that if you've bought the ticket, you will get an additional 10,000 experience for completing raids on the day. Uh, and you'll be able to get up to 10 raid passes from spinning gym discs and up to 8 remote passes up to eight remote raid passes from timed research and um i think they're doing a bunch of like three a bundle of three remote raid passes for free i think so ton of raiding ton of potential raiding especially if you do a lucky egg and manage to knock a bunch out you can you can rack up that experience that's awesome i'm excited um there's also more unknowns if you miss that okay i I think i scooped a couple up i don't have like do you have all the letters no, I don't. But this one, so we're getting F and G. Uh, I think they can be shiny. And then the other big bit is that uh, eggs um, will be half distance during the event. So if you start an egg during the event, it's half distance. I don't know if they load up on incubators going into it. Then. That's right. Just like stock up over the next coming days. Uh, but GoFest is a – oh, I think um, – I know the photo for it has both Sock and Thrupp. So I think that that means that it will be both will be available because they have been geolocked before. Uh, and then the, also Chatit is in the Chatit Chatot. I think it's Chatot. Okay. Well, I, I really don't know though. However you want to say it, we'll say. Chatit is. I you all give me grief for saying Pidget. <laughs> I, yeah, that stand by that one being wrong though. <laughs> it's probably wrong, but I've said it since I was seven. So whatever. But I th- it chatted is also in the art. So if you have purchased the ticket, uh, you should be able to get uh, Thra, Sock, and Chatted. Okay, well, I do not have Chatted. Well, that's been region locked. That would be why. I was about to ask if it was like, I feel like I don't have it. So yes, that makes sense. Yeah. So again, it's only $5. And I realize that not everyone's able to pay $5. But I had a lot of fun. And a lot of fun for $5 is a good thing to me. The uh, the other bit of Pokemon news that I have is we have a new professor's research card in the in the TCG, which is tied to Pokemon Go, a Professor Willow research card. Oh, tell uh, me more. 
Well, the, there's only one way you can currently get it, and that's buy a piece of Pokemon Go merch from the Pokemon Center. Okay. Yeah, you buy it, and they'll add it as long as like as supplies last, kind of thing. Uh, and and it'll just get shipped to you. And they say there will be ways to get them in the future. I'm guessing that as more in-person events start to pop up, there'll probably be rewards for tournaments and events and all that kind of stuff. But and then I guess speaking of TCG, Chilling Rains is coming out on the 18th. So when this episode drops, it will be it will be out. Um, I actually got my uh, pre-release box. You can just order those. Yeah, yeah. Well, because like my game shop normally does pre-release tournaments, and so they still get them uh, as if they were gonna do it. But then you you can pre-order them in these situations, and then you get them when you would if you did the pre-release tournament. That's sweet. Uh, so I got my box, and I actually got a full art Agatha card. I did not get the Moltres card, unfortunately. Dude, the Gallery Moltres card is so cool. Yeah, all the alt arts in this one are actually really cool, and they're like stupid expensive on eBay right now. Uh, I bet. But I've got a uh, uh, an elite trainer box waiting for me to 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 be picked up, so maybe I'll get it in that one. Who knows? Probably not. I believe in you. Yeah, I wish it was something I could control. Well, I can control it. I just keep buying more. <laughs> there you go. That's how they get you. Okay. Well, Don, let's go and jump into our topic for the day. Let's get to the nitty gritty. talking about uh vikings and norse mythology in this episode so we're going to do a a very very quick quick and dirty history slash slash mythology breakdown of of some norse history but when we say norse we're generally referencing uh people that hailed from the scandinavian region so we're talking in modern day we're talking like norway finland sweden denmark those areas. And Norse also gets interchanged a lot with Viking. And they were a particularly adept seafaring culture. Yes. Yes. Uh, and and around, I think it was around like the 9th century, 8th century, started to expand beyond their regions and, and use their seafaring uh, abilities. I mean, frankly, do a lot of raiding, looting, but also setting up lots of trade routes, uh, doing, doing a lot of different things. Yes, lots of options. But they got as far south as North Africa, and they got as far east, or as far east as, I think, like, Constantinople, or even, like, I think I saw, like, Iran, too. They got all the way out to the Middle East, and then they also were, got into Vinland or in North America, too, so as, as far west as uh, North America. Yes, but that's, um, that's some pretty fine seafaring work there. Yes. Actually, I saw that one iteration of Dublin and Ireland was actually a Norse settlement. That's cool. There was one that predates it, but one of the earliest settlements in Dublin uh, was was a trading post for the Vikings. But I was around the uh, 8th century, they uh, started making their way through what we now know as the United Kingdom. And so you actually had kind of like two points of entry, because there were some coming from the north that were more, think of like, you know, Sweden-Norway area, and then there were more Danes coming from Denmark area, so coming in from like the east, the eastern parts. Uh, and there was obviously a lot of conflict that happened in that time between the peoples that were inhabiting the island of Britain at that time. Obviously, like there was, um, they still, there were still lots of trading that That'd happened. Be like with the uh, the Anglo Saxons and all that. Yes, yeah, and I believe they actually 
took control of a good portion of the of the island as as was known. I remember there is a there is a really interesting story about a Viking. I would like that'd be neat if we had a a cool reference to the game. I'm not sure how you could really reference it appropriately. And I'm blanking on the guy's name. I could probably look it up in a minute. Um, but there was a Viking berserker feller back in the day that was on a bridge, um, and he was like holding the bridge against all. I think they were Saxons, maybe. And the guy was just just had his big axe and shield and was just breaking everybody. And like they couldn't get past him on the bridge. And he was like hold, he was like a rear guard action, if I remember right. And finally, this one dude got in a barrel, and um got went upstream and drifted down in the barrel under the bridge and allegedly stabbed the feller um in a not so good place to be stabbed with a spear and that caused to kind of took the wind out of his sails a bit to the point where the uh guys on the bridge were able to finally defeat him and get get on with driving the the vikings off their land so i'm not sure how we'd reference that in the game but uh it's just sort of an interesting historical tale Okay, so it was uh, in the year 1066, um, the, for Harold II, he was the last Anglo-Saxon king of England, and the Vikings came and gave him a lot of trouble. Um, but they were able to get back there. There's a lovely, there's some lovely old-timey like embroidery illustrations that make the whole deadly battle on the bridge seem like really cartoony. And then eventually, uh, they the the Vikings sort of stopped their expansion and started to consolidate back in Scandinavia into the what we now know is like the four major countries in the area that, that we talked about um and for if we're talking culturally for them they are obviously tied with norse mythology which many people are familiar with various aspects of whether that's just knowing the names of like odin and thor and but there are lots of varying aspects of it that that are tied in one that we're going to talk about uh in particular is ragnarok when translated, there's a couple different iterations. Generally, it means something along the lines of the fate of the gods. Or I've also seen Twilight of the Gods. Um, one of the uh, predominant aspects in Norse mythology was that eventually the gods do die. Surprisingly, uh, or unsurprisingly, uh, the gods die in battle. They were pretty big on that. That was the I ideal death. But uh, you also see a lot of aspects of not being able to escape your fate which we'll talk about later but but so ragnarok is basically the death of the gods the destruction of earth and ultimately what comes from it is everything starts anew it's not the end of everything it's just the end of the now you know end of the now reset hit the reset button all that good stuff yeah and it's like an inevitable end but and there's it's Part of, like, part of it, like, there was nothing you could really do about it, right? Like, it's, yeah. like, sort of a fatalistic but embracing it. It's very, like, sort of Valhalla warrior sort of mindset, I feel like. Yeah, it's and it's, uh, there's lots of names tied into Valhalla that people probably know, whether that's Fenrir, Jormungandr. Big wolf, big snake. That's where all the big players come out. But we're actually kind of starting to bleed into some of the, the mons we want to talk to, Don. So let's just get into the Pokemon. So, Pokemon, Don, we are going to talk about one of my favorite animals, which is the cat. Meow. Thank you for that. Thank you for clearing up the sound a cat makes. We're done with the podcast. Well, let's see what sound a cat makes in, like, a Nordic country. Because, you know, different places have different words for... What's a, what's a Viking-y place? Norway. You've seen that, right? Like, different places regional words have for, uh, cat. for cats, you know, you know? Oh, I mean, oh you're like... looking up what the word for cat is? No, no, no. Um... So you know, if you haven't seen this, we're like different places have different um cat accents. 
so like like try like trying to think of an example. Like let's say in I'm making this up. Okay, in France, like some like the French words that cockadoodle do, they say they say like kikariki or whatever, right? Okay. Some places say that like a cat oh. instead of saying you know you see what I mean? Yeah. So instead of meow, it's a different word. Yes, it okay. is M J O U according to this. I don't know how to pronounce that. Meow. Meow. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. A dog says vof. That's cool. See? Okay. Yeah. And a, a duck says kvak, K V A K K. So kvak. And a cow says me. But well it's a me with a weird sideways slash. <laughs> so I have no idea how to say that. Okay. Anyway, that's animal sounds with Don. <laughs> Thank you for that diversion, Don. Um, but you brought up animal noises. So one of the the cats or the breeds of cats uh, that's very that that hails from that area is known as the Norwegian forest cat. Supposedly, they chirp more than other cats. Do. They do. That that is that is what I have seen as well. I've had I have not had a Norwegian forest cat, but I have seen cats do lots of chirping before. It's very fun to watch. I like that. They like click at birds and all that. But Vikings in particular were cats were all over all sorts of ancient ancient cultures and societies. For, and they're useful. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, we humans domesticated them for a reason. And so for, for Vikings, they were particularly used uh, uh, in pest control on their ships, you know, killing mice and rodents and all that kind of stuff, because that was important for, you know, the big seafaring trips and, you know, protecting your food, preventing the spread of diseases. But so the cats, you know, served a purpose and they, they liked their cats. Norwegian forest cats get up to be like 20 pounds. They're a very large breed of cat. They are. They are. They can get. They can get pretty, pretty thick. But I also saw that there may have been another reason for why the Vikings had lots of cats, and it's a, a less wholesome reason. Did they eat them? No. I mean, I mean, maybe. But it's very cold where where they came from. Oh, just for for the furs. Yeah. So there was a thought that there was. Uh, I, I I saw a couple lessons that they may have used cats also to help provide fur which is, i mean it makes sense and it's utilitarian like that's yeah i mean even when they're alive i'm assuming you're it's cats don't like cats like to lay on warm things too so you can probably just get your cats to like pile up on you at night too that's maybe we'll go with that we'll go <laughs> i mean i think it might be a little column a little column b <laughs> but they they even played so much into into the mythology because freya uh one of the major gods in norse mythology her chariot was actually pulled by two cats that's fun that seems like a fun chariot. Thor had a chariot pulled by goats. And actually, so fun, quick diversion about the goats. Uh, I believe it was that he could kill and eat the goats, and as long as he had the bones, they would be alive the next day. That's pretty convenient. I I like that. So he would just, like, eat goat all the time, and then they would just be back, and he'd, like, drive somewhere, and then it was time for dinner, just, like, grill, grill up some goat. But back to cats. We are talking about the cats and and Vikings because obviously in Sword and Shield, we got the Norse influences, Norse influence mons in particular with Galar Meowth. Yes, we've had a shocking amount of Meowth forms. Uh, but and then oh, well, I mean technically, like we have two Persians too. Yep. So the Galar Meowth Dex entry says, "Living with savage seafaring people has toughened this Pokemon's body so much that its parts have turned to iron." There's no real questioning here that it that this is where <laughs> seafaring it's tying in with with Vikings here pretty clearly. Well, if you think about if you think about it too, I mean, like if you've ever been like real salty and then dried and stuff, you get like that salty coat and your hair gets stiff. Yeah. So I bet a ship's cat would be a pretty salty fella. So he'd probably have like pretty stiff sort of 
maybe not quite iron, but I bet his fur would be pretty hard. Well, so I wanted to, to talk, so I talked with Lucas about this in uh, over chat, tying in with what with what I had brought up earlier with the with the idea of you know maybe using cats as a way to keep warm. You could also make a case that that is what may have happened with Galar Meowth in the early times, because having a regular source of iron would be very handy for an early developing situation. Yes, that's a very good point. Whether that's keeping them as pets or using the iron. Um, I think Preserker actually, there's something in particular about Preserker. So Preserker just outright says that it, it looks like it's wearing a helmet and it's actually just its hardened hair. Okay. Which is just like wild that, that I mean, that its hair is like smooth. Like it, it just, you know, that, that is, it is straight tough but now that we're getting into berserker obviously the the other tie here with with norse culture is berserker which now now would have been the time to tie in my fun bridge story you can tie in your bridge story now oh uh, we already talked about it okay fine um but uh do you know what what uh berserker is roughly translated to angry axe man bear shirt sick that's even cooler basically the idea being that these are probably people who were like wearing bear skins in battle like as a identification like don't mess with these guys these guys are intense yeah why would you not wear a bear shirt in battle <laughs> because then you might be the target because everyone wants to get you yeah but you're scary but berserker uh berserkers obviously we know now the idea of like going berserk which is like you know unbridled fury shout out to drampa's got berserk and uh galar moltres more topical since about the cool items yeah there you go uh, and he but, takes damage and he goes nuts. Like these these people on the battlefields were hyper intimidating by all accounts. But you, like there's reports of them like biting their iron shields and making animal screams. These were these were warriors that you particularly did not want to mess with because they just like it, they all accounts of them just make them sound completely not out of control but just like some bad mamma jammas. But that was that was our uh, sort of you know cultural ties with with Vikings. But now we're going to get into more of the the mythology, Don. Alrighty. So this at this point we are shifting exclusively into legendary months. We're also going to tie them with uh, some real ones, and you can talk so you can talk about them. So why don't you hit us with one of uh, the one of the most popular legendaries? Is it most popular? People seem to like it. Uh, but why don't you learn something about Xerneas and some deers? You mean the most busted? <laughs> I mean, well, honestly, Zashin has come. I know they said, I remember, isn't it? I believe in Sword and Shield, Zashin's, uh defends like the ultimate evil, which is like Intranatus, but it really is here to defend us from the ultimate evil that is Xerneas. <laughs> and it will save us. Annihilate it with its, with its steel typing. Yeah, only once we get if we if slash when we get the primals back, then Xerneas can have BFF primal grout on to save it from the scary dog. <laughs> uh, but yes, yes, talk to us about some of these these big big deers. All right, so Xerneas is a big deer, it, or at least it's a big cervid, which is the deer family, mm. which includes uh, your deer, your moose, your elk, and all that. Mm. And Xerneas X and Y is set in the uh, Kalos region, which is France based. Or sort of draws a lot from France, um, and of the of the various French cervids, um, I believe I would would argue that Xerneas pays the most resemblance in its antler structure to that of the uh, the red stag, mm -hmm. uh, which is Cervus elephus, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, 
if you don't know if you want to pull up a picture of like a nice red stag the stag is what you call um so it's it's the red deer and a male red deer is called a stag um and a female red deer is called a hind mm-hmm. which um you know so if you're bucks and does um when you have like sort of your more classic deer like an american whitetail and then you also have a uh, a bull and a cow um when you're talking about some of the largest ones like elk and moose mm-hmm. Um, but the antler structure for the red deer makes me think that it's um, got some similarities to Xerneas compared mm-hmm. to some of the other other deer species. The sort of like cascadingly slowly upward. There's also a really awesome extinct cervid called the Irish elk that maybe also has a little bit of Xerneas mojo just because mm-hmm. it's enormous. It was the largest uh, cervid slash deer to just ever, ever walk the earth. Mm. Um, and they found bogs in Ireland, but they were actually throughout. But their their antlers have a little bit more of a moose sort of wideness to the to the to the base. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're not quite the Xerneas predecessor that some of the other. Yeah. But they were absolutely huge. So they were six foot eleven at the shoulders. They had the largest antlers of any known deer, um, up to twelve feet from tip to tip, mm-hmm. and eighty eight pounds in weight. And they got like maybe thirteen hundred pounds. So big, big, yeah, big, big boys. Very, very big boys. Oh well, yeah, one of the largest deer species. But I, I said my argument would be for the red deer, for Xerneas is sort of sort of namesake. Also, this is more of a gripe, totally unrelated. But I'm talking about critters, so I get to go unrelated. They've used the red deer too many times in American movies as a stand-in for whitetail. I don't know if it's because people don't think the whitetail deer looks as impressive, but like the movie, the deer, the was it the deer deer stalker, deer slayer? What's that? Oh, deer man, hunter? that's a great. The deer hunter. Yeah, like like yeah. Christopher Walken and. Yeah, 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 and the deer hunter. Yeah. It's a red stag. Yeah. They use a red stag. It's set in Pennsylvania. It really bothers me. But but classic movie. <laughs> yeah. Also, the stock footage doesn't match match up with what the dude's doing at all. And again, it's it's a red stag. Um, but the red stags are cool. They're a cool deer. They were actually really rare at one part of Europe. Um, but they've been reintroducing them. Mm-hmm. Pretty big range. Um. They're also established in Australia and New Zealand. Mm-hmm. They also, as well as um, there's certain populations in Canada, Peru, Uruguay, Chile, and Argentina. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're farmed. A lot. They're one of the more farmed deer. Mm-hmm. Like the native deer species, I believe, in North America. Like, I mean, at least in, in the United States, um, are not, you can't like farm white-tailed deer mm-hmm. for meat, I believe. Mm-hmm. So when you see like venison for sale, it's typically from red deer. Well, in Norse mythology, I think there's also a tie-in here too, Don. Yes, there are also red deer in the um, assorted, assorted Nordic countries. Yes. Well, we have uh, one figure uh, whose name is pronounced Ikthromir, who is a stag that stands upon Valhalla, particularly uh, over Odin's Hall. And from its horns... Antlers. Thank you. From its antlers... All right, real quick. So, the difference between antlers and horns... Antlers are lost every year. Deer and elk regrow their antlers, the, the males, mm-hmm. and only males have them. Actually, I think I'll have to double check that. There's maybe there's a weird antler. There's rarely you'll get an antler doe. Yeah. But for the most part, um, and horns are like affixed to the skull. Yeah. And um, the antlers of, I believe it's an elk actually, are the fastest growing bone in the animal kingdom. Water falls from its antlers into Valgamir, uh, from which all waters rise. Uh, it basically okay. feeds all of the, the rivers that run throughout the gods' realm. And obviously, seafaring people, water is very important. So essentially, this this figure is, you know, feeding, like, life. Like, water is life. It's, if you look at Xerneas' dex entry, uh, it says, 
when the horns aha, see they said horns don it's not just me they're antlers they, the, oh, you know what, mate well xerneas xerneas is genderless hmm. so maybe it's not a true deer well it's also a mythical pokemon so it's obviously not a true deer I'm calling them antlers. I stand by. I'm writing a petition. Well, the deck entry for Y says, when the horns on its head shine in seven different colors, it is said to be sharing everlasting life. Good for it. But they're antlers. The idea of the, of life coming from the antlers kind of dripping to the rest of us, I think is a pretty clear tie to Ichthromir in this in this instance. Uh, well, let's let's uh, go into the, the counterpart for Y, which is Eveltal. Eveltal... Uh, at least, you know, animal-wise, looks to be based on carrion birds. So why don't you hit us with some carrion facts? For some carrion bird facts. Okay, um, I stand by that Yveltal looks sort of like bearded vulture, maybe. I looked up breaded vulture. I bet that is not that tasty. <laughs> maybe it's good. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, so there's the bearded vulture. Um, and there's certain... So Yveltal's got this very nice black and red color scheme. And the bearded vulture has a similar certain... Phases seem to have a very nice, like, black wings, red body, sort of a little bit of that. Um, I think it has a nice... It's also really cool. They eat bones. Um, It's also called... It's a bird of prey. More like a Middle East sort of distribution, I believe. Mm. Yeah, no, I think it's into parts of Europe. Spain, Italy. Okay, so there's... It's and, got, I mean, what? X and Y was France, right? Yes, it is in... there. That does have... Looks like southern France has some mm. out and about. So it's it's a it's a it's a feasible feasible Pokemon to be around. And carrions in particular were, they 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 feed on on dead animals, correct? Yes, yes, um, yeah. Most vultures are carrion eaters. Uh, there are some vultures like the bearded vulture that also eat um, some of them specify in actually bones. Mm-hmm. Like they'll find the carrion, but then they'll fly up really high with the bones to eat them. Then, uh, like they'll drop them down on the cliffs to smash them, and then they'll eat them that way. But most vultures are carrion feeders. Um, a lot of birds don't have a great sense of smell, but some species of vultures actually have an excellent sense of smell. The uh, turkey vulture, which we have stateside, is a good example of that, to the point where other species of vultures, like the black vulture, um, which I know we have in Florida. Do you guys have them up where you're at? Which one? Black vulture? I, black vulture. I know we have it's some a, It's a vulture with a black head. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, they'll actually, they don't have a good sense of smell, mm. and they'll actually watch for turkey vultures. And then follow them to a carcass and then bully them until they leave. Smart. Yeah, we see Yeveltal connected to death. Like vultures are often considered, um, I mean, it's, they're understandably connected to death in a lot of uh, you know, cultures and all that. Yeah. Given their, how much they like dead stuff. And um, Yeveltal is sort of the, the death embodiment, I guess you could say. Well, is, is, is it, but it's not like, not like, I never got like a, like a doom and gloom death. Vibe. No, it's not like a doom and gloom. Well, it. It, it, so, like, because it says when life comes to an end, it absorbs the energy of every living thing and turns into a cocoon once more. So, basically, taking taking death and starting new life, basically? Yeah, it's 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 a little Phoenix-esque, but not trying to get too much into Ho-Oh's shtick. Yeah, but in Norse mythology, there is a, a Jotun... That's very Ragnarok-y, though, I feel like, like you were saying earlier. Sorry yeah. to cut you off. There. No, you're good. But so, in, in Norse mythology, there's actually um, a Jotun uh, named Freysvelger, who is a... Is it like a blind... It's a blind eagle, right? Isn't that part of it? I don't... I have not heard blind... Uh, it, but it's an eagle that's that sits on top of uh, Yggdrasil, the world tree, uh, and, and its name... Uh, translate or can be translated to both mean corpse swallower or shipwreck curve and corpse swallower in particular you think of that that sort of carrion that that feeding on on the dead that obviously plays into a lot here 
Grace Vulgar also in particular is also said to be uh, where wind originates from when it flaps its wings, which obviously. Wait, so this is the eagle that's um. So there's a hawk that sits between the eyes. Yeah, it's of little, an eagle. It's, so there's this. It's little scout. Okay. Ved, Vedfernir. Yes, I thought for some reason the eagle was um blind. Maybe I don't know. Well, so, Vedfernir was like its little scout, so maybe it just needed some help. As I saw something like that, maybe it may I'm just wrong. I remember once I I maybe I just read something somewhere about the eagle being blind because Yeveltal's eyes are like the weird. They're like a weird cloudy blue. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen anything about Hrysvogar being. I, I might be. I, I could be very much in the wrong for that. But it's obviously tied into that that sense of of death. His, yes, uh, and, and and all that, which plays into like you said with Eveltal and that sort of end of life situation. So that's that's sort of your two your two big ties. But X and Y. Granted, are you still salty that we never got a Z? Yeah, I am. <laughs> you are. Yeah. No. So so we have X and Y. We have our X and Y mascot. So we have to bring in the Z, which is Zygarde. I've got, I've got, we've got three forms of Zygarde, Don, so we're going to get into all three, because I think there is a tie with Norse mythology for all three, um, but... There... You actually worked this into the, yes, you did, and I agree with you. So, we have three forms of Zygarde, what, 10%, 50%, complete? Scooby, Snake, and Megazord. Yes, Scooby, Snake, and Megazord. So, 10%, you have that sort of dog aspect, right? Yes. Oh, I should, I should. Sorry. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to tie all of these. Well, there's also little little small boy for, for him, but I don't think we care about that. I don't care about that one for this. <laughs> but so I'm going to tie these three mons in with the story of Ragnarok, which also, if we're like being weirdly conspiratorial, it's you know Pokemon X, Y, and Z. Z is the end of the alphabet. Ragnarok is the the end of the gods. Blah blah blah. Um, I'm gonna, I like it. I'm going to tie the three forms to three big players in Ragnarok. So, the first we have is Doggy Form, Scooby Form, as you say. Yes. Actually, I will say, of the, I like the shiny versions of the other two mm. um, more than I like Dog Form's shiny. Dog Form shiny's okay. I like Snake's shiny the most. So yeah, Snake's shiny's great. Um, but 10%, 10% Zygarde, Doggy. One of the the big players in Ragnarok is one of Loki's children, which is Fenrir. Because Loki did have three children with Angraboda, the Jotun. And the three children were... Uh, one of the three children was Fenrir, which is Big Wolf. Odin was able to have uh, some knowledge of, of Ragnarok. And in an attempt to... Uh, and he was told that Fenrir would kill him in the battle. And in an attempt to circumvent his fate, which we know is not possible, even for the That's gods. That's sort of a big theme in a lot of mythologies, is it doesn't work. Yeah, so basically what what, you, what Odin does is they, they trick Fenrir, and so they basically, they play like a game with Fenrir, where they're like, you know, we're going to handcuff you, bet you can't break out, and Fenrir's like, ha ha ha, I broke these handcuffs, and they like keep amping it up a little bit, just to kind of like gain his confidence. And then ultimately, Odin, in secret, has a dwarf make an unbreakable chain. And a chain that gets tighter the more you struggle. And so they... Bamboozle him. Yeah, so they get they get Fenrir and, and, you know, they have this, like, teeny tiny rope thing. And they're like, bet you can't break this. And he's like, try me. And they do. And Fenrir gets trapped and tied down and ultimately betrayed by the gods. Ultimately betraying... The, the betrayal, you could argue, might be what drove Fenrir to ultimately kill Odin on Ragnarok, that sort of hate for for, for causing him all this pain. But I, I, I'm tying it to it because Zygarde has that long rope tied to its neck, 
which yes. some would say is just a dog leash. But, you know, I think that if you're going with the Fenrir story, then you could tie that with, with the rope that was used to tie it down. Fenrir also got, like, big, 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 like, like jaw stretches from the ground to the sky, big. And he swallows Odin whole in Ragnarok. So That's a big boy. So, whoops on Odin's part. Um <laughs> That's a whoops. Classic that's, whoops. That's a whoops. So we'll move on to the next four. 50% Big Snake. Uh, we have another child of Loki and Angraboda, which would be Jormungandr, the world snake. It's a big snake too. Big snake. Supposed to uh, to supposed to uh, encircle the world. Uh, but Jormungandr, big snake, lives in the water, ends up battling Thor. Or in, in, in Ragnarok, Thor and, and Jormungandr fight fight to the death uh thor kills jormungandr but then gets poisoned by it and like takes nine steps and then collapses so they, they both die in an embrace of death so it it, it says that uh it, it wipes out all who oppose it which essentially jormungandr does like it, it is gets... that complete form or whatever no that's 50 percent form okay which it does also have the aura break ability as well which neutralizes the two aura abilities of xerneas and yvotal Unfortunately, it is weak to fairy, so it doesn't neutralize Ernie as well. But it and, it and it monitors ecosystems, so that's I guess nice of it. Yes. So this is where this is where the comparison gets a little bit loose, Don, because obviously with the first two we tied with Children of Loki, and Loki did have a third child, uh, which was Hell, which Thor Ragnarok then made into Hela, uh, but Hell is different. Uh, also, one L, not two. Uh, but Hell was the, I almost said leader, not leader, purveyor, overseer of the, the realm Hell of the same name. Yes, very uh, convenient system. For, 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 for the dead. Basically, I believe the dead that did not go to Valhalla. But uh, Hell, of note, had half of her body was alive and half of her body was dead. And Zygar does not have that at all. But... If we're looking at if we're tying it to Ragnarok and not necessarily the the children of Loki, there's another figure in Ragnarok that I think this could be more tied to, which would be the fire giant Surtur. The big boy form. Big boy. Uh, Surtur was a fire giant from Muspel, uh, and or Muspelheim, and ultimately Surtur like destroys Midgard, Earth, and 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 the realm of the gods. Like he like. If, if you want to talk about big number in Norse mythology, that's that's Surtur. Dude, Lucas is a big Surtur fan. <laughs> yeah, Lucas is a big Surtur fan. Uh, but like again, like ultimate destruction. And uh, if you look at the complete form of Zygarde's uh, dex entries, it says, in, in Ultra Sun, it says it is its perfected form, and from the orifice on its chest, it radiates high-powered energy that eliminates everything. That's very Surtur into the world Ragnaroki. Which is also kind of weird because it also says that it like that it uses its overwhelming power to suppress those who endanger the ecosystem. So I don't know how eliminating everything preserves the ecosystem. Well, it kind of does if you think. I mean, well, actually, it doesn't. But it um that well, it's it's just because it's just that ultra sun entry. That well, initially it was initially wasn't it something about restoring balance, right? So I guess it restores balance if there's everything's dead. So it's like it's, it's, so it's balanced. It's Thanos. Yes, it's very Thanos. Everything must be balanced. But it's the Thanos approach to balancing problems. You know, the the ultra sun entry is just so weird because sun, moon, and ultra moon. It's all like 
preserving the ecosystem and then ultra sun is just like nah nukes everything but there we have it i i think of them as as a little ragnarok trio if you will i like that a lot i think i think it's a good um i would have i would have i really wish we got z though just to have like the lore of zygarde really fleshed out a bit like kind of how we got with giratina yeah well maybe that'll be after shining pearl well we have those and then we'll get gray i guess because we because black and diamond was just black and diamond but maybe we'll get like dark white and light black or something <laughs> wasn't it wasn't black and white wasn't it just like black and white 2 they were direct sequels though which actually was really i thought that was kind of cool that's what i thought ultra sun and moon was going to be before i was sad yeah because black and white it was actually a cool i really thought like how they did black 2 and white 2 yeah but maybe we'll get black black and white or black and white gray uh and then we'll get our our pokemon z yeah, it gets Pokemon Shades of Grey, and the entire game is just like complex moral dilemmas. Uh, well, Don, that is all of the uh, the Pokemon that I have, and we're running a little bit long, so why don't we go into the the uh, closing? Let's wrap it on up. All right, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Pokey Science. Thank you so much for, for joining us. We we love, you know, talking about this and, and sharing it with you all. So thank you for, for being a part of the community. Uh, as always, uh, one of the ways that you can help grow the show is if in your podcasting app of choice, if you could leave us a review uh, and, and we've been getting a lot of great ideas. Lucas is taking a lot of notes, writing them down and we keep churning them out. He's got a weather one upcoming. I know, which came from someone uh, in one of the reviews, which is going to be exciting, but it really means a lot because we like to hear from you all, how you all think we're doing and and what we can do better or or topics that you want to hear about that maybe we haven't thought of. Uh, So if you could uh, leave us a review to help others find the show, that would mean so much to us. But beyond that, Uh, But thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Absolutely. Thank you guys for coming out.